Welcome to My Runner's Mind, where we run with gratitude towards a life of happiness and gratefulness. I'm your host, Stina Turgeon, and I believe that as runners, we're uniquely positioned to choose gratitude over negativity. Running itself is so badass, and each run offers multiple opportunities to turn a potentially negative thought or feeling into a positive one. Tune in as I'll share behind the scenes of what goes into my 12-week program, My Runner's Mind, which is mindset and spiritual coaching for women runners who know that they're ready to shift away from the shoulds and ought tos in their running routine and replace them with want and desire to live a happier and more balanced life. Are you ready? Let's go! Hi friends, runners, maybe you're dreaming about becoming a runner, Maybe you ask yourself if you're really a runner either way. Welcome to episode 17. First, before I get going on this episode, I really just want to take a moment to express how grateful I am for you, listener, runner, friend. This podcast means so much to me. I really, truly enjoy sharing the content in this podcast, and I really, truly enjoy the feedback I get in this content. So I wanted to take a moment to just really express how grateful I am that you are here listening today. All right, so today's episode is going to be a little different. It'll be an interview style episode, but based on questions that I got from a community talk I did on Facebook. And so I decided that these questions and my answers to them might be helpful for you. So I wanted to share them here as an episode on the podcast. So I'll go through each question and the answer I have for each question. Yeah, here we go. Question one, who are you? Well, I'm Stina Turgeon. And if you've been wondering about the first name, it's Danish. I'm a transplant from Denmark, but I've lived in the U.S. for over 20 years now. Question number two, what do you do? Well, in my nine to five, I'm a speech therapist in the school systems. And then I'm a mindset and self-care coach for women runners, which is why we're here, right? Question three, why do you do what you do? Well, as far as the mindset coaching and the self-care coaching goes, I do that because I'm passionate about it. It's changed my life. And I think as a coach so often, you know, we become coaches of the journey that we have gone through ourselves. And so I feel I've hacked the way to live in connection with myself and where I can experience life to its fullest And so I'm passionate about sharing this with other women who want the same results and who are interested in the same because creating community is so important. Creating community with like-minded people is so gratifying. And so if you're listening and this speaks to you, you're one of my people. Question number four, what exactly is a mindset coach? To me, a mindset coach is somebody who believes that 
our results are created from our thoughts. Somebody who really understands this and coaches on this. So a good example would be for you to ask yourself if your results, the results you see in your life, cause how you think about your life, a cause how you think about what has happened to you. Do you look at, at your life and that causes how you think? Or does your thinking actually create your result, which is you kind of think how you'd like things to be and then you go out and create those results, right? So most people, they use the static here and now, so their current results, as evidence for how things are and for evidence of their own potential. So the here and now, though, is always only a reflection of our past and it has no bearing on the future or or of our potential. Now, an example of this, one that we've all experienced, I'm sure if you think back to when you were a student in school and consider when you received poor grades on some things, on assignments or in classes or whatnot, what did you make those grades mean about yourself? Or did you make them mean something about yourself? Did they somehow make you think that, let's say, you got poor grades maybe in science subjects and you're like, well, I'm not a science student, then I'm not good at science. I think so many of us did that. I certainly did that. I sort of identified with those grades and made them mean what I was capable of instead of just realizing that, no, really, they're just a reflection of my knowledge up until this point or how I chose to maybe study for things up until this point. Another good example could be, you know, as a runner, you look at, you look at your stats, because as runners, we're stats, stats obsessed, and you feel that that sort of is the extent of your potential, or you look at that and that kind of creates your thinking pattern, and maybe even your, your worth as a runner. So, As a mindset coach, I coach my clients to see how their thinking and their thoughts create their results. And then I help my clients to discover solutions to the the problems that they have so that they can achieve their desired outcome. All right, question number five. When you begin working with a brand new client who has never practiced any type of mindfulness routine, what do you typically start with? So when people come into my program, and this is a group program, we start with mindfulness habits that support a positive vibration, a positive energy within us, a state of feeling good. Because I heard it said by some somebody recently that our vibration is literally our currency. And I think it's such a good expression because our vibration is what everybody around us picks up on and they respond to, right? They're our mood. It's a lens. Our vibration is a lens through which we view the world. So when we're in a low vibration, so aka feeling down, 
we experience the world differently than when we're in high vibration. Now, I love using gratitude because it's scientifically proven to rewire the brain and make it more receptive to noticing more happiness and joy. There is literally neuronal rewiring going on the more gratitude we practice. And it's one of the quickest way of shifting our mood, of shifting our vibration. Question number six. Can we talk about gratitude hill and reframing thoughts? I just love the gratitude hill reframe. And I think people in the group will also find it helpful. And I love this question. And if you've listened to other episodes on the podcast, you have heard me talk about Gratitude Hill before. Now, reframing our thoughts is the is at the core of mindset work. So often we get stuck in one way of perceiving our situation, right? I coach my clients that our circumstances are just are what they are, the things that are happening around us, right? They're facts. So often we'd like to control our circumstances, though, to make ourselves feel better. But it only works for a limited amount of time when we try and do that. And the key instead, the gold is buried or the treasure is in our thoughts, how we perceive things, and how we choose to show up for the circumstances around us. So... The example of Gratitude Hill, Gratitude Hill used to be Killer Hill. It was a killer hill for many, many years. It was a, it's a hill about a mile outside of town where I always walk my dogs, rode my mountain bike, and now run. And so a good friend of mine introduced me to Killer Hill and the term. And for the, you know... It's a tough hill. It's about a mile long of just a steady climb that literally will kind of suck the wind out of you completely. So when I started running, I think past the first couple of times running it where I felt very successful afterwards, I realized it was actually killing my motivation even before I started running up it, you know, because I got this thought in my head that, hey, today I'm running Killer Hill. And so I renamed it Gratitude Hill instead, and I connect with it now on a different level. And deliberately, I also feel grateful for what it contributes to my overall fitness, right? So, you know, if you're a runner, you've heard of the treadmill, right? (laughs) For the treadmill. I mean, I don't know how many posts I always see about the treadmill, I did this this amount of miles in the treadmill today. And, you know, I think it's just become so commonplace that people aren't even thinking twice about using that term. But what goes unnoticed is still the connotation that's attached to a word or a phrase to language, right? And so in my mind, the treadmill just doesn't make sense. Why would you want to call something that you're going to be spending, you know, I don't know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, however many minutes or miles you have scheduled for your run in the treadmill? Why would you want to call it something 
that has negative connotations to it, right? So when I see posts in running groups using the drift mill, I just can't help myself. I always reply and I always encourage, how about a reframe to gratitude mill, you know? I'm big on gratitude because as I said earlier, I've seen personally how it's completely changed the way I perceive things. And I love the science evidence for it. So using gratitude and kind of throwing it in there is, it comes very naturally for me. So, but literally People could choose to use another term for it instead, of course. But bottom line is you have to commit to believing it also, right? It doesn't serve a purpose to just kind of throw out, sure, I'm on the gratitude mill and then maybe not really, you know, supporting it wholeheartedly. Because fundamentally, it's going back and revisiting the words and the language that we choose to communicate our experiences through in life right? Because words matter. The words we pick make a difference in how we perceive and therefore experience things. Question number seven. You talk a lot about filling your own cup and taking care of you first. Why is this so important? Do you see a lot of women struggle with this? All right, so part of this answer actually came on a run I was on. But so often we're stuck, I think, in negative self-talk. I mean, I am like the president of, you know, negative self-talk, recoveries, if that's a word. We're stuck in negative self-talk around ourselves ourselves and the goal we're working on, whether it's losing weight, reaching a certain goal time. And then also this very rigid application of a training plan because we're fundamentally because of fear. We're so afraid of not reaching our goal, whether it's to lose a certain amount of weight, whether it's to run a certain distance or at a certain speed. I mean, it's fear sometimes driving the train here. And although, you know, I'm not saying having a goal is a bad thing. I think having a goal is incredibly important. It's one of the the key pillars we talk about in my, in my running community, but it's, it's incredibly important because it gives us a direction in life every single day when we get up. Right. But we also need to learn to enjoy the journey. That piece was missing for me up until my forties, right? I mean, I was a very goal-oriented person, and I always had goals in life. But the way that I, you know, if I say motivated myself, it's not a positive word. You know, the way I would take action on the things I needed to do was through negative self-talk. I was not enjoying the journey. I was resisting the journey. I wasn't liking the the things I had to do in order to achieve my goal, right? So I was so focused on getting to my goal, feeling, thinking that happiness was on the other end of my goal, 
But if that's how we perceive things, we're putting the cart before the horse. And we become miserable in the process, right? It's just literally forcing ourselves to do something we don't enjoy. So in the book, The Happiness Advantage, Sean Acor, who's a researcher, a Harvard researcher, he explains this concept. It's a really good read. I highly recommend. So I want to put it out there for you who's listening right now. What, what do words such as self-care and put yourself first, what do they drum up for thoughts and feelings? Self-care and put yourself first. What comes up for you? And what comes up? Is that mostly positive or a negative connotation? I think overwhelmingly, and like I said earlier, I was one of them. Women feel that self-care and putting themselves first is a little selfish. I mean, we see all these memes or Instagram quote, not Instagram quotes necessarily, but just kind of social media quotes that repeat over and over again that self-care is not selfish, right? Because we feel this, women feel that it's selfish because it means in our mind, the way we're conditioned to think, that we're taking time away from our other responsibilities, which could be kids, family, could be work, whatever else you have for responsibilities, right? So what we, what we try and do instead to meet these responsibilities, these external responsibilities, is that we try to take care of all of these chores, responsibilities, and then... After that's been done, we plan to take care of ourselves. Then, of course, reality is that then we're sort of too tired. And now here's the real, here's the real problem in all of this. The sad reality that I think goes unnoticed is that until though we commit to taking care of ourselves first, like literally, you know, at the beginning of the day first, we come first, Right is that when we take care of everybody else and have forgotten about ourselves first, we do it from a drained mindset, right? And so what does that mean? Well, that means that we're showing up in a low vibration. Remember, I was talking about vibration earlier, that that's literally the currency that we're, you know, exchanging with other people. And so that means that we experience the world through the lens of low vibration. But we're so conditioned to the ought to and the should. Well, we should do this. We ought to do this. It'll make somebody else happy, right? But if instead we commit to taking care of us first, we'll actually experience everything in a much higher vibration. And then, and this is the kicker that I think so many people miss, the exact same demands will seem less overwhelming just because we're coming, we're operating from a higher vibration. Question number eight. We've all experienced that feeling of being in the zone during a run or a training session. Would you say that mindset is a big part of this? Well, I think the more mindset and self-care work we do, we're going to be able to access the zone easier during a, during a run or a training session because it 
becomes part of our automatic behavior then. So the more mindset and self-care work we do on a regular basis, we'll be able to tune in during our run rather than tune out. Now, if running is something we do, and you know, this is one of my pet peeves, but that's also one of my biggest things that I feel I've kind of really discovered and nailed and that I coach on. If running is something we do to distract ourselves from something, it could be a negative feeling. You know, I used to distract myself from, you know, the negative feeling could be that I needed to, I wanted to lose weight or I wanted to maintain weight or it could be stress that I felt from either family or work. So essentially, it's an action that we take to escape a state of mind, right? Something we're tuned, then we're tuned out, sorry, for most of the run, right? If we're using running to distract ourselves, we're essentially tuned out, right? We're not tuning into it. And more than likely, we're using entertainment, right? We're putting in music or podcasts, audiobooks. We're talking to other runners. And we're just going through the motion of running because maybe running really only serves the purpose of burning calories, for instance. So now, if you're not sure how you're using running, a way to decide this for yourself would be if you're escaping running is to notice if your thoughts around running are overwhelmingly negative that I just got to do this. I have to, it's on the training plan, but I don't want to kind of thing, right? And also if you find yourself needing a lot of external motivation to get going or a lot of external validation to feel that it was a good run you had. But if on the other hand, we use running as a way to show up for ourselves and see how we can respond in the current moment, right? How we can rise to the challenge in the current moment, not through negative self-talk and instead tune into our run. We're more likely to get in the zone just on a very recent run. For instance, after doing hill repeats, I very quickly tuned into the fact that I was noticing a little bit of fatigue after seven hill climbs. And I think if I'd been distracted in that moment by something else, I wouldn't have noticed it. So what I was able to do was check my form. And sure enough, I needed to kind of shore up, tighten up my, my foot stride because it was getting, it was, my fatigue was showing in my foot stride, right? It was kind of long and, and heavy rather than, you know, short and quick turnover. All right. Question number nine, how do we create this feeling over and over again. So I would say it's through consistent mindset work and self-care work, showing up for ourselves by participating, you know, body and mind and what we do, even outside of running. You know, in personal development, there's this tendency to check things off or kind of a clock in and out mentality, not just in personal development, but it it does exist there too. And I just think it misses so much. You know, we have to commit to the fact that this is a lifestyle change. It's not, you know, this is a 10 week or a 12 week 
half marathon training plan, well, are you not going to be a runner past the 12 past the 12 weeks in the half marathon? Probably you are. So question 10, can you give a couple of actionable steps that people in the group can start with? Well, I think a very actionable step that you can actually go out and implement on your next run, which will help shift your energy in your body immediately is through breath work. Now, I've incorporated breath work into my life throughout the day. I mean, it happens all throughout the day that I tune into my breath at various times. But if you're not somebody who actively connects with your breath, here's a good place to start. You can do it, I would say, get in the habit actually of doing a pre-warm cool down. It was labeled in one of the articles I was reading. And so very often, and maybe you're one of them, we come to our runs maybe from a busy day. And so obviously we're a little amped up maybe energy-wise, right? And so then we can take that on the run. But if we are seeking to run more mindfully, if we can actually connect with our breath before we get into our warm-up, it doesn't have to take very long. And you can actually do it right before you, you literally start running. So um, just take, I would say, take a few minutes. It's going to be different for everybody. You're going to have to just choose to want to, you know, kind of connect here and feel when you feel that, you know, your mind is calming and your focus you know, your focus is centering more, connect to deep diaphragmatic breathing, kind of like yoga breathing, right? So make sure it's a deep belly breathing where on an inhale, you expand your belly and on an exhale, you kind of suck it in. And then if if you want it, you can even be counting your breath and kind of make sure that it's the same, that it's coherent. It's the same count for inhale and same count for exhale. If you want a number on it, you can start with four, count to four in, four seconds in and four seconds out. Or if you want a little longer, you can do five seconds in, five seconds out, or six seconds in, six seconds out, right? Now that positions you before your run actually to have more of a centered focus, right? And then you might not be able to run your entire run, distraction free but obviously if you can run it distraction free and just kind of tune in to either your footfall maybe the horizon your form you're going to be more likely to hit the zone then as you finish your run again by now you know as we're running we're obviously putting our our body in a kind of stressed state and most people don't do this, then we might even do a little bit of cool down, but then we go about the rest of our day without actually actively triggering, engaging our parasympathetic nervous system. And this is the one that kind of helps with rest and recovery, right? So a way to do that could be if you can't lie down and at least Stand with your back straight and then do a breath work cycle of one to two 
ratio. So what that means is that you want to make sure that your exhale is twice as long as your inhale, because a long exhale is where we start triggering the parasympathetic nervous system. So again, to put a number on it, if you're looking for that, that could be just depending on where you're at with your breath for it, it could be a three inhale and a six exhale. You're counting this in your head as you're inhaling in, you're saying one, two, three, and then exhale for a count of six, or it could be a four inhale to an eight exhale, right? Just remember the ratio of one to two. Now, Understand this though, don't do it right as you stop running. Recover your breath and then do it, right? But this will actually put your body into recovery mode even faster. Then also I would recommend some more mindset work. And I created, and you've heard me talk about it on a different episode, but I created a three-step to your runner's high, how to run gratefully, which focuses on your attitude, your mantras, and intentions for your run. I all I feel all of those aspects really just kind of help us connect to our run at a whole different level. All right. I will leave the links to the three-step runners high in the show notes. So this was it. These were the 10 questions I was asked. And I want to also remind you that the My Runner's Mind is currently enrolling for the September to December round, okay? So if, if all of what I've shared here and what you've heard in previous podcasts sound interesting to you, and if you're looking for a group of women who are, you know, desiring these same things, I want you to reach out because I can help you with this. This is what I coach on. And there's nothing better than to be in a community with other people, with other women who are looking for the same. We literally gain so much from being in community of like-minded people. So I want you to reach out to me. And again, in the show notes, there'll be a link to an application to fill out if you're interested. And then we can, we can schedule a call and go ahead and chat about it. All right. That was it for episode 17. Thanks for listening. So if running is our practice ground and we can turn every experience into fuel, then we can transfer it to the rest of our life and positively impact our whole world. Just one run at a time.